Operabi podcast, dedicated to points of view, challenges, experiences, and best practices for managing your enterprise data. Operabi is the data intelligence and automation platform that empowers organizations to truly control and leverage their data without complexity. Welcome to another Operabi podcast. This week, I have a special guest, um, Tony from our store. He's a chief technical officer. Um, Tony, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, good morning, and thank you, Daryl and Aparavi, for hosting this podcast and inviting me to join. Um, I am uh, Tony Gochen, uh, CTO of our store. So, our store, we see um, an evolution to the cloud services. And what we're trying to do is to make it easier and more secure uh, to share uh, to share and preserve your valuable assets, so data. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, so, and, and we'll talk a little bit about your competitors too throughout this. Um, so, you know, overall, data governance and cloud storage kind of go hand in hand today. The data governance journey for most organizations will ultimately include some sort of cloud storage target for their long-term retention of their regulated data types. The data governance process can be extremely tedious since there are so many different types of data that may need to be regulated. So data that contains personal information, finance, healthcare, and the list goes on and on and on. And I, and I guess, um, Tony, you guys are starting to move into uh, the European markets with uh, with your cloud offering. Um, so GDPR is going to be a big thing, uh, I assume, right? Yeah, so uh, absolutely, Darrell. I mean, as we uh, start to expand globally, uh, we have to be aware uh, of all the uh, global governance uh, rules. Uh, and you know, that's where partnering with Aparavi and, um, helps us a lot uh, so we don't make mistakes. Uh, and we truly understand, you know, what uh, data has to be governed. Yeah, yeah, very cool. Yeah, and you know, a part of that, uh, you know, that that partnership with Operavi and our stores, um, you know, partnership together is is for that long term retention of data because the, the the cost effectiveness, the speed aspect, in which we'll talk about a little bit. Um, but that data retention is going to be very um, important moving forward with uh, with corporate regulation. Um, the retention of the data you know, typically is done with like an archive tool, right? You know, so they would have their policies set up and during the policy setup, you'd set up your different retentions based on your different data types. And then depending on how important that data was would dictate where that file was actually stored for its, for its long-term retention of the data. So it's a pretty interesting concept, you know, that archive tools have been doing this for quite a while. And there are many types of, of, uh, of policies too, right? The federal government has... Um, general record schedules. There's also um, corporate data governance schedules, um, records retention schedules. You know, so there's lots of different um, terminology for these things. But ultimately, we take data from one place, secure it in another place, and add a, a retention to it. You know, to make sure that that data stayed for compliance purposes. So let's talk a little bit about uh, primary and secondary storage, um, Tony. So you know, primary storage is typically the newest, fastest uh, in the enterprise, you know, these devices, typically uh, your flash arrays that are on-prem, extremely high IOPS and um, are accessed with the most current data, like uh, like your exchange or your database applications. Um, you know, they're, they're, these are like your tier one applications that I say. Um, you know, these applications need high-speed access and usually have thousands 
you know, potentially of concurrent connections. So, you know, put, putting this type of application on your primary storage is, is a, a definitely going to be an advantage. But this, this type of storage also, because it's the newest and fastest, always seems to collect that uh, file share data as well, like the normal user data or roaming profiles, these kind of things, and all seems to find their way onto this expensive storage. You know, and one thing um, that, uh, you know, our store could definitely help with is is the ability to uh, give these file storage locations a cloud presence that's that allows these primary storage targets to be used for the primary or tier one applications. How do you guys see um, uh, our store playing in the file share market, Tony? Yeah, um, so it's um, definitely an area where we're being um, requested a lot to provide service. Um, So you correctly identify, you know, for these primary storage type capabilities, uh, they tend to be on-prem and they tend to, uh, they tend to be uh, very expensive and um, for that reason tend to be uh, smaller in terms of capacity. Uh, and what many uh, customers are attempting to do now is to uh, really have windows of uh, opportunity into their data sets uh, that are most relevant at a particular point in time. But they still want to have the accessibility to the data uh, that might not be on that storage array at that point in time. So uh, right. what we're seeing is a real trend here uh, where customers are essentially offloading sets of data from that primary store. But uh, the real issue is that data has to be uh, recoverable very quickly when it's needed. Um, and that really requires a, a different thought process for when you're touring to the cloud. Uh, you want that data to be nearby so that you don't run into uh, latency issues and rehydrating that data. Sure. Yeah, and then, then I mean, you look at the aspect of, of say, this primary storage and your typical data protection tool as well. Um, you know, the data protection window, the backup windows are becoming longer and longer, and now they're starting to intrude on regular work hours because, you know, organizations just simply aren't getting rid of data, right? They're, they're just storing it, in, uh, you know, for forever and you know now they're starting to utilize cloud storage for for the same purpose and the same issue is going to happen there as well you know you're still going to continue to grow that storage instead of actually solving the problem with this redundant obsolete or trivial information sitting out there so um so yeah so you know the primary uh, storage has become kind of this dumping ground for all this personal information and it's uh almost around 40% of the data that's considered rot or redundant, obsolete, or trivial is usually being stored on the primary storage, which also means it's being backed up, which is part of the problem why these backup windows continue to become, you know, unmanageable at this point. So, Tony, what what do you think, you know, I'd like to hear, you know, since you guys are in this business and you're becoming a major player, you know, what's your definition of cloud storage, right? what, What do you guys pitch your your um, your definition as well I, I, it's another interesting question because I, I think what we're seeing in the uh, market just now is an evolution of what cloud storage really represents uh, I, I think if you go back to when it was first introduced and you know the um, typical s3 type uh, scenarios where cloud storage was kind of this um, 
uh, archiving capability to provide um, long-term objects uh, with uh, simple interfaces and, and relatively inexpensive. Uh, but really what we're evolving to is where cloud storage can provide um, a natural uh, mechanism for maintaining uh, large volumes of data and making it globally accessible um, and doing that in a way that's still uh, cost-effective um, but has the performance characteristics to allow you to use that storage as if it was on-prem. And I think that's the major change that we're seeing. You know, No longer are people assuming that when they put storage out to uh, the cloud that it's just there for protection purposes, for backup, for archive, and perhaps they would never touch it. Now I think what we're seeing is the trend is that Customers expect that data to be leveraged. And really what we're finding is, uh, you know, people want that local feel of accessing the data. So from a performance standpoint, you want the data to be accessible very quickly. Uh, but at the same time, they want that global nature of the data as it's uh, being shared across the globe. Uh, and those two things tended to conflict. And, you know, what we've done at our store is really narrowed that problem and said, okay, we can do this in a way that makes you uh, the storage that you want to look at or the data that you want to um, access at that moment in time, we make it appear local to you. But at the same time, uh, we have that global nature to the data so anyone can share that same information at the same time. Um, so it's really collapsing a lot of the processes that we're seen as uh, separated out and, and cloud uh, from a data capability is becoming just a natural extension to uh, all of the data facilities you currently have. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and and you know the obvious advantages to where Operavi sits is you know is is Operavi has the ability to grab that source data wherever it sits. It might be an endpoint or a laptop or a server, or a SAN or a NAS storage and then take that data and manage it in a single pane of glass, apply classification to it, and then based on what we're learning about the data, move it to an R store object, uh, the, the object storage, right? You know, and, and, and then take advantage of that, uh, the cost factors and, and other things like that. Um, so explain a little bit about uh, how the backend um, for our store is, I mean, what makes it different from, say, the typical Amazon or the Googles or, or Azure storage? Well, I mean, I think firstly, uh, I would say that, um, you know, we're uh, essentially compatible with um, what you would find with the uh, classic CSP um, access capabilities, you know, so very much an S3 uh, compliant capability uh, with our object store. But a couple of areas that we really fundamentally focused on. Um, one is, um, you know, preservation of that data and ensuring that the resilience level of that data is um, is very high. Uh, and we do that in a number of ways. You know, whether it be local erasure as the data hits our uh, our um, persistence layers uh, or um, replication, uh, so that you can have you know a local copy and a copy at distance uh, to ensure. Any, uh, any natural events that might take place wouldn't interrupt service. Um, but then beyond that, you know, we also offer very uh, fast network capabilities to move data around our network, which then again adds into that ability to provide high levels of performance. And performance for us has been something that we've clearly focused on 
and you know where a traditional object store was kind of uh, seen as you know a secondary um, capability we, we really wanted to provide uh, our storage capabilities in a way that would make it more natural for people to use it for real uh, time access uh, and then the third component I would say is really around um, protection you know how do you protect that data and ensure that you know it it's um, um, unimpacted by um, any external threats or, or uh, accidental uh, changes. So we, we have this notion of immutability as part of our solution. Uh, so once a data is, uh, once data is written to our service, you know you have a level of guarantee that that data uh, will not be altered in any way. Uh, so from a governance and a preservation uh, perspective, you know, it really adds into that overall flow and uh, that level of protection. Nice. Yeah, no, that's 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 pretty amazing, and and you guys are using primarily uh, SSDs as well for for your storage, correct? Did, did I hear that correctly? It's actually a mixture. So um, we really um, leverage the best technology for um, uh, the type of object or the size of objects. So you know, for very small objects, you know, you want to access and access them in a very different pattern from very large objects. So. Uh, we use a number of uh, um, techniques internally for how we organize uh, the data to um, persistence level um, and we use you know different media uh, depending on how that access is uh, intended to be um, granted cool yeah and, and I was looking at the um, the ROI chart it's 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 astounding how much uh, money AWS and Google uh, are charging um, so, you know, our store, AWS, Google, they all have a 10, di 10 gig direct connection. Um, you guys don't have egress fees where the other two do. Um, data access is included with your package, but it's a cost uh, for AWS and I'm not sure about the Google one. Um, Cross-region replications included, whereas... AWS is charging you two to fifteen cents a gig for replication. Um, it, it's it's amazing how much how how they just nickel and dime you. I mean, you know, our store looks like a complete package. Everything's included, and um, you know these other guys are just out there trying to make a buck. I mean, even uh, the ten gig direct connect is is two twenty five an hour for AWS and Google. I mean, how do you how do you guys how do you explain like is this just corporate monopolizing the greed or whatever but i mean i, I mean the, i mean i can look at this and the, the cost is just it's just amazing the difference here i mean how, where'd you guys come up with all these i mean how come you guys don't charge like they're doing right? yeah well um you know i think if you um you, you look at the uh the model that we wanted to take to market what we heard from the customers was uh, they wanted predictability in the pricing uh, they wanted to know that um, you know that there wasn't that extraneous uh, variability in uh, their monthly bill. Uh, so we really wanted to put together a very simplistic pricing model that was very predictable. Um, so we charge a flat rate per gigabyte per month. Uh, all of those other costs that's associated to touching your data, uh, whether it be gets or puts, uh, egress, uh, network transfers, uh, we just include that all because we believe that that's the right way to uh, model uh, the usage. 
And the, the other aspect of this is the um, classic CSPs have really focused around uh, locking vendors in. You know, they make it really uh, inexpensive for you to go to their platform, but they then make it extremely um, expensive to leave. And uh, they also make it expensive to maintain your data there because they charge you every time that you touch your data. Uh, we, we really see that as um, you know, a comparison to what we used to do with cell phone bills, you know, where you paid for every individual transaction. And now we're in a place where you know, that it's kind of more homogenized and uh, we think the cloud uh, pricing models will move more towards that as we move forward. Yeah, that's it's that, that's, that's amazing. I mean, it, it's just an amazing um, contrast of, you know, the big boys versus another service that is much better in so many ways. But because the name is out there, it's almost like buying a pair of shoes from a, a normal department store or buying a shoe from, you know, a high end shoe store. You know, they both cover your feet. They both do the same thing but you're going to pay 15 times more for the one in the high end store than you would for the same exact thing on the bottom, you know? So it, it just, it's just amazing. Um, and, and I can start to see a lot of these, a lot of other cloud um, uh, storage providers adopting the same model. There's already a couple of them out there too, but um, it's interesting because, you know, Operavi fo follows that same no vendor lock-in as well. Uh, you know, the platform uh, with our upcoming release will have, we have what we've coined the phrase of smart policies and smart policies will allow users to add a very granular aspect to the data movement to cloud storage repositories like our store. The policies will allow users to drag and drop the policy aspects onto a blank canvas. So, you know, you'll see your retention, drop your retention onto the window and then you, you know you drop your source you know whatever that is going to be uh, and then you define it in, in these little drop down menus and then you go to the next step which is the criteria for um, you know how we're going to move the data might be based on the contents could be based on a classification you know of, of over 140 classification policies so these are global in nature um, and then uh, metadata fields as well like date or age if that's what they're you know the customer needs we want to give them the option to do what they want to do not with what the application tells them what to do and that's where you know technologies like our store is going to be an, an immense value because you know as you guys are cutting the cost for cloud storage which is obviously going to impact these larger guys their prices are going to drop as well so everybody's going to win in that situation but then if you look at Operavi's price point you know our price point is very similar to how your ROI works so you know between Operavi managing the data and uh, you know the lifecycle management and then our store storing the information I mean that's a big win for a customer of uh, you know a large multi petabyte customer is a big win for them the way I would see it what so how do you feel about um, the you know retrieving large amounts of data versus you know single files uh, or maybe uh, setting our store as backup targets to, to backup data and, you know, or migrate data to a cloud or something like that. I mean, how is, how does that differ from say your you know, typical Amazons or your Azures? I mean, is there a speed difference or um, obviously a cost difference, but. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, one, one of the key reasons, uh, you know, our store and upper Avi are, partners is because we're well aligned in the strategy in terms of how we want to support our customers. You know, the policy-driven 
uh, capabilities are really important to us in terms of how we manage uh, data on our platform, uh, the governance of that and how that ties into the overall uh, flow of information is, is clearly super important. Um, and as we expand that, you know, it becomes more and more important. But in terms of, you know, getting data to the platform, it's, it's another one of these um, big issues, right? Because if you're talking about moving uh, many petabytes of data, um, it, it takes time, it takes effort. Um, and ingesting that data into any platform is, is going to be a considerable task. Uh, we've really uh, built a number of tools to support that. Not only uh, make it simple, you know, so really uh, very intuitive uh, user interfaces or command line interfaces so customers can easily move their data to our platform, but also uh, focused on how to do that very efficiently uh, and to leverage uh, as much of the network bandwidth as, as we possibly can. Um, so, you know, you can see um, huge performance benefits in moving data into our platform because we put a, a real focus on that in Jest methodology. Um, and obviously, as part of that, you want to consider um, how you might uh, then extend the attribution of the objects themselves um, so you can make it more searchable and more usable or you know, tie it into the governance frameworks to ensure that, you know, uh, that level of conformality, uh, con conformity, uh, I can't say the word, sorry. Um, that, that level of conformance is, is upheld through the process. So, um, you know, it's it's really important that you think of these things as a, um, a holistic approach as opposed to individual pieces. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, I, you know, and, and all I can say for everybody listening to this podcast today is, you know, do your research. You know, a, a, a simple search of the features and cost of cloud storage can save thousands of dollars of a month in unnecessary fees. Um, you know, cloud storage targets like our store that, that do not charge to access the data. They don't charge you to search the data. You know, it's a simple per gigabyte costing model. Uh, I, I mean, it doesn't get any easier than that. You know, uh, you're not going to get a bill at the end of the month that's unnecessary for 10 grand because somebody happened to pull you know, three terabytes of data back from a backup set, you know, so, which actually happened in, a, in an old customer of mine. So, um, but now this, this has been really great, Tony. I, you know, I, I, I guess to close, you know, organizations today are looking for ways to cut costs and become more efficient, especially in the times we live in today. You know, so everybody is having to, you know, tighten up their belt and uh, reduce the amount of hardware footprint they have. You know, data center consolidation is going to be down by 50% by this time next year, um, you know, in, in some estimates. It's just, you know, a lot of people are going to have to start making some big changes here. And, you know, companies like our store are going to help um, with that digital transformation from on-prem to the cloud and make better use of it. Um, you know, your uh, traditional data protection software licensing uh, is also something that's very expensive by moving data up to a cloud storage um, that's replicated between uh, sites and the resiliency is there. And then you've got the 11.9s of availability. I, I mean, it, it, uh, you can now start to reduce a lot of that, uh, that licensing. And then if you take tools like Operavi's platform, where we can actually help to eliminate a lot of that just non-valuable data to the enterprise, I mean, it becomes now this perfect storm of, of, cost savings for the enterprise 
right? You know, so anyway, Tony, I want to thank you for this. This is really helpful and um, it, it, really good information. And, uh, you know, everybody, uh, you know, go out and, and take a look at our store as your cloud uh, storage provider. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, Operavi will continue with this message of, uh, you know, the data lifecycle management and global classification so we can help your companies uh, not only save immediate um, money and, and an immense uh, ROI, but to get a hold of this unstructured data world. So I want to thank everybody for listening today. And as, uh, as always, everyone have a great day and we will talk to you guys on the next podcast. Thank you, Daryl. Thank you for listening to the Operavi podcast. For more information, see operavi.com or contact us directly via email at info at You can also follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for the latest news, tips, and insights on data intelligence and automation. We'll be back soon with more, so if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe, rate, and review, or share with a friend or colleague. Thanks, and see you soon.